guys. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. This week on the podcast, we welcome Ava Johanna, celebrity meditation and yoga teacher, breathwork facilitator, and podcast host of The Alchemized Life. Ava is on a mission to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in their lives. After suffering from severe corporate burnout, Ava turned to yoga and holistic healing to redirect her life and found these powerful ancient practices to be the ultimate rejuvenation of spirit. On this episode, we discuss Ava's personal journey to her current work, including severe family and financial struggles. We then discuss her mission to help others start their own wellness practice. Ava is also co-hosting a Conscious Creators Retreat in Costa Rica from November 16th through 21st. For more information on this retreat, you can click the link in our show notes. Enjoy the episode. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Can you walk us through your personal journey to wellness and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we got on air. Um, When I was 15, 16 years old, my stepdad and my mom ended up separating. And um, my stepdad's not a great guy. And so it was my mom, my sister, and I. And for a while, we were good. Um, She worked for the school district. And then it got to a point where she wasn't able to pay for... um, you know, the monthly payment on her car or our rent. We were using EBT food stamps and um, my mom would go to the food bank every Saturday to get us food. And it was, I think my sophomore and junior year of high school when all of this was happening. And it was really intense. You know, we're from the same area. It's very affluent. It's, (laughs) I always say it's like the Kardashian area, (laughs) area um, which it is. And it was a really intense experience for me. And I felt very ostracized from my entire community you know my best friend drove a Range Rover at 16 years old and um, it created this hustle in me and I vowed that I would never ever be in that place again I would Mm. never be evicted from my home I would never be 
um, jumping around from friend's house to friend's house because it was just so embarrassing for me, even though I think that I was more embarrassed than anyone else that was, you know, seeing our situation. Um, and so I took that experience and applied it to my career. And I'm very passionate when it comes to my career and all of the careers that I've had. And so I got into marketing and was really working my way up the corporate ladder for several years and got to the point where I was working like 10 to 12 hour days. I developed chronic migraines and, um, you know, my mom had gotten migraines when she was younger. So I was like, oh, this is just a family thing that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life until I have kids, as my mom said. And, um, my health was just deteriorate, deteriorating so quickly before my eyes. And I would get off work at like six or seven o'clock at night. I would be with Corey and just be crying in the car because I couldn't be present. I would wake up in the middle of the night, like having stress dreams about work. Mm. Um, I partied a lot because that's what I, I was like, okay, well, I'm making all this money. Now I'm going to spend it all on booze and drugs. And I was just like in this tailspin of misery, honestly. And um, my health was deteriorating before my eyes. And then I was given the opportunity of a promotion at work. And I was 21, 22 years old at the time. I would have been making more money than like any of my friends that were still in school, getting their master's degrees, more money than my mom had ever made. Mm. And it was within that moment, I remember I was, I took my lunch break to go get my eyebrows. um, What is it? Threaded? Yeah. (laughs) To go get my eyebrows threaded. And I was on the phone with my mom crying, just letting her know, like, I just realized that like, it doesn't matter how much money I make. I'm not happy. Yeah. And me getting this promotion, like, Sure, it'll be an extra X amount of money in my bank account every month, but I don't think that that's what's going to make me happy. And I keep following and following and following this like trail of money, but I'm so miserable. Mm. And it was that moment that I kind of had like, I want to call it like an intuitive or like that like gut feeling that I wasn't supposed to do that. And I mm. decided um, that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And like through that, I found yoga. That was like my only solace after getting off of work that hour that I had at the yoga studio. Um, I found a teacher that I really loved. And I remember being in her class and being like covered in sweat because it was hot yoga, of course, Mm -hmm. the gateway drug. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just covered in sweat being like, Oh my God, like I need to make people feel this good. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and from there I just like stayed curious and kept following the things that I was passionate about. I'm very like, I'm multi-hyphenated, you know, I teach yoga. I, um, used to write, I still kind of dabble in writing. I have the podcast. Um, I like doing the things that inspire me. And then when they stop inspiring me, I kind of just like stop doing them. Um, but that's really like how my wellness journey started. It was like through this deep fear of never having enough. And then like this awakening of, oh my God, the external things are not ever going to make me feel like enough. And then finding the tools, like the internal tools that um, sparked that passion for me again and had me like starting to feel fulfilled and whole from the inside out rather than the outside in. Yeah, I think that's so, your journey is so incredible and I can relate so much as we were talking about before we started the episode. Um, I grew up in Malibu, like right over the hill from... Uh, where you grew up and you were 16, but I was in middle school when my parents, um, they lost all their money. We had to move out of our homes. They lost their car. Um, we had, we had nothing. And similarly, um, 
it was, you know, my, my, my mom was so worried about how she was going to pay rent every month. Church groups bought us food, which is just funny because we're Buddhist, but you know, um, I've since learned that the food banks give to church groups to give to all different types of religions. Um, yeah, so it was a very interesting time and I can relate to so much where it, it, it puts you in this kind of fear mentality at such a young age when you're still developing, you know? And so to go through your journey, right, of that fear propelling you to this, like, quote, magnificent career on paper where you're making all this money, how did you then, even though you were like, I I, I can't be this unhappy, I'm sure when you left, that fear was still there, that disbelief was still there. So how did you work through that in those early years. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The fear is still here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just now being more aware of it mm-hmm. and not letting it completely take over my entire body and yeah. like my decision-making process, yeah. you know, um, for a while it was just, you know, as we discussed, um, in our conversation on my podcast, it's that practice yeah. and, um, developing enough awareness around, oh, okay, I can see that I'm about to make this decision based off of my fear that, if I, for example, like if I had a brand deal come in that was maybe for like 200 or $300 back in the day and um, it wasn't necessarily like fully in alignment with what I stood for and yeah. what my brand stood for. Oh, but like what if nothing else comes in? At least then I'll have that $300 yeah. and mm-hmm. that will go towards whatever bill I have to pay. Um, now doing the work to recognize Oh, but me saying yes to something that's not in alignment, that's still feeding into that fear is only propelling the fear even more and perpetuating Mm. all that it means. So for me, it's awareness practices that have helped the most. You know, of course, yoga was that gateway for me of being really present in my body and witnessing thoughts come up. And, you know, in Buddhism, I assume as well, it's Mm -hmm. like talking about the witness and um, just witnessing when the fear comes up and when the ego comes up and, you know, for those that are listening, the way that you discern your ego versus like your actual mind and your soul and your heart is that it's usually not a nice voice in your head. Mm-hmm. And it usually is something that like physic, like on a visceral level makes you feel a certain way. Yeah. So like if you're having a thought come up and in your chest, your chest starts to feel tight or your belly starts to feel like it's in knots or your shoulders tense up to your ears, like that's probably your fear talking or your yeah. ego talking. Like your soul, your heart doesn't want you to feel fear. Like we were put on this planet to have happy, fulfilling lives. Yes, there's suffering that we go through, but it's to learn lessons. And so if we can continue coming back to, okay, what is the voice inside of my head? That's like really rooting me on like the cheerleader inside Mm -hmm. of me. Um, what can I do to continue like stoking that flame versus stoking the flame of that really scared, Right. little girl inside of me. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's an amazing kind of observation. And I think oftentimes um, we live in a world where we're so hyper sort of stimulated that we don't know necessarily. It's, it can be hard to discern unless you know how to get into your body or have mm-hmm. a practice to get into your body so that you can like truly hear that your real self, your heart, your soul, um, the non-ego, like the, the, the you, the real you, how to discern what is your gut or your intuition versus those kind of negative thoughts or the negative ego. How can you like 
tell the difference? Because that's something that I get asked a lot. Like, how do you know, how can you trust that gut feeling versus questioning, is that my gut? Is that my intuition? Is that something I can trust? Or is it that like noise? Is it that anxiety, that negative ego talking? And so you said that your gateway obviously was yoga, but did you find that is through that practice that you were able to get clear on what voices, which... I think through my yoga teacher training, because I had like three months of in-depth spiritual practices, you know, I, no offense to like the core powers out there, but like I went to a mom and pop studio and did my teacher training and it was a, you know, life changing experience for me versus one that might be a little bit more corporate and structured. So I think that having that container was really powerful for myself. Um, I wouldn't say that that's like where... I was like, oh, okay, like I'm intuitive. I can trust my gut. I think that's when I learned about it, mm-hmm. but it was still this practice. And gosh, you know, I'm so grateful for the podcast because I've been able to talk to so many intuitives, but I think what I, what it was, was taking my power back mm-hmm. and not having to ask so many questions and like have that external validation that I am intuitive and that I can trust those gut feelings because for so long, and you know, I gave this example um, on my podcast, I'd read books about intuition. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. talk to all these yeah. people and ask all these questions. And at a certain point, I literally had an, in my meditation an intuitive download that was like, every single time you do that, you are strengthening that idea that you aren't intuitive and that you don't already know. Yeah. And so instead, I started to kind of take a step back from reading the books, from listening to the podcast. And I did this with finances too. Yeah. Um, I stopped reading books on money, stopped listening to podcasts on money and just said, you know what? I got this. I already know. Yeah. And so I think limiting the amount of external information that was coming at me was huge in that trust. And then finding stillness through meditation um, was also beautiful as well, because then I knew, okay, I'm not not reading any books right now. I'm not listening to any podcasts. I'm meditating. I'm journaling. What's coming in is not coming from anywhere else. Like this is this is me. And so I think it's also just, again, coming back to practice, you know, I think people hate to hear that, but ultimately it's consistency and practice of every time that something came in that felt like a gut feeling, even if it was don't park in this spot, go park in that spot. Right. um, I'd listen to it and Mm. just like continuing to strengthen that because it is a muscle. And every time you listen to it, your intuition goes, oh, okay, she's listening. Yeah. I'm going to speak a little bit louder now. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's incredible sort of, I don't know if it's advice, but it's incredible sort of insight if anyone is in this process of learning to listen to that voice and know, knowing that everybody has one. Mm-hmm. I think that was huge. It truly took me until my 30s to realize that my intuition has never led me astray, but um, denying it and talking myself out of feeling a certain way has. And so that is when you know, sometimes like shit has to hit the fan before you realize that you have like wake up call moments. Like you had that moment in your car with your mom saying like, I had this huge promotion, but I'm so unhappy. What's it all for otherwise? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if people are in this journey where they, they're confused, but no, you know, like we all have this ability, want to get clear on that. How would you say, how would you advise just, um, little simple steps to start So I think the first thing is developing some sort of stillness practice. Mm. Um, For me, it's meditation. I love my meditation practice and it wasn't always that way. You know, I first experienced Zen meditation Mm -hmm. actually. Um, 
in my yoga teacher training and it was this man, this old man named Henry. He um, had a British accent and it was wonderful to listen to him guide me in meditation. And I'm, I went home and I was like, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, fell off the map like two days later <laughs> and um, eventually got back into it, did my meditation teacher training. And that was like super powerful as well. Um, but finding some sort of stillness practice. It doesn't have to be sitting in meditation. It could be working out. It could be surfing. It could be um, journaling. It could be taking a bath without your cell phone Mm -hmm. anywhere near you and just finding that stillness, breathing, you know, like really simple ways that you can be present and embodied Mm -hmm. um, allows for space for the intuition to speak. Because if we're constantly moving, constantly around people, constantly watching TV or scrolling on our phone. How the hell are you going to listen to your intuition if you have so much other noise, you know? And I think that for me, at least at the beginning when I was like, oh, I'm not intuitive. Like, how am I ever going to like be able to like know the best, what's best for me? I just Mm -hmm. don't know. It was because I was going like a thousand miles a minute Mm -hmm. and didn't give myself the space to do it. So I think the first step is finding some sort of stillness practice. Um, I think there's a a big misconception with meditation that when you meditate, you have to be completely thoughtless. Mm. Yeah. And that's just not the case at all. Um, I think that if you've never tried meditation before, focus on your breath. The moment that you notice yourself thinking thoughts, come back to your inhale and exhale. Um, and that practice over and over just strengthens your ability to stay present and be aware. Um, but yeah, finding a stillness practice is big. And then again, just listening when you do hear something. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you know, it's all the times that you talk yourself out of um, listening to that gut feeling. That's when it starts to be like, okay, well, I guess this girl doesn't want to listen. Yeah. And why, why should I say anything? So when you do get that little hit of inspiration, it could be literally like you're driving around or something. Oh, this is actually a really good idea. Go for a drive Mm -hmm. without like any expectation of where you'll end up. Just go for a drive in your car. Um, if that's accessible to you and see where you end up, like just see like where, when you have the instances of, Oh, I should turn left or I should keep going straight, Mm. or what is that thing on the side of the road that I never Mm. noticed? Um, You know, there's a beautiful furniture place in um, Topanga Canyon. Mm. And I remember with my girlfriend, we were driving through Topanga Canyon to go to that um, weird, funky costume store. Mm. Um, And on the way we saw it, and then once, and we were like, oh, that's cool, I wonder what that is. And once we got to the funky costume store, the name is escaping me, that store started following us on Instagram. And so we were like, whoa, Whoa. okay. And so we went back there and it had this beautiful giant Buddha and like waterfalls and all these like gorgeous, like wooden teak day beds. And it was just like so serene and peaceful, but it was us being like, oh, that's interesting. And noticing like those synchronicities because the, our intuition, you know, is divinely connected to the God within all of us, you know, whether you believe in God, the universe divine, whatever it is that you believe in, um, we all have it inside of us and it will do everything it can to get you to notice that, Mm. but you got to be aware. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. It's, it's so true. And it's so, it is, it's like you said, like it is a practice, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have to practice it to be able to start to hear yourself and I think to heal yourself Mm -hmm. like you're talking about because that's ultimately the way we heal is through listening to ourselves so I'm also curious when you left your job your ailments did they completely go away 
Wow. So, okay. So I, the way that I left was, um, the corporate job that I was at, that was really high intense stress. I then went back to my old job Mm. that, um, it ended up being like the perfect opportunity. I was going to be there for nine months. And then my husband now, and I quit, quit our jobs. We met at work. We both quit our jobs, moved to South America for three months. And so granted I was very privileged to be able to, I mean, I saved up for a year and a half. So, um, you know, I did, I put the work in, it wasn't like I just like up and left without, you know, with like a trust fund or anything. (laughs) Um, but having the space to then like not have any stress, or have much lower levels of stress really helped me to mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. at least that the migraines weren't just a hereditary thing. It was a stress thing yeah. and it was an environment thing. And so that was a beautiful wake up call because then I realized after that trip, I'm not putting myself in that situation again and I will get migraines still, but that's my body telling me, Hey now, something's not right. It's like a sign. where are you, where are you not living in alignment? Yeah. And so now I look at them as a beautiful gift. I mean, granted, I'll get them when I like drink too much. Um, <laughs> that's like the only other time. But like, if I get a migraine on a random day when I'm eating super healthy and you know working out and everything's like peachy keen, I know that it's because I'm in. I have higher levels of stress that are like disguised because ultimately, like so many of us are chronically stressed out mm-hmm. and we just think that this is our normal. So, what are the ways in which your body or your mind is speaking to you, as subtle as it can be, whether it's a migraine or whether it's like being bloated yeah. or um, having breakouts or ha- carrying excess weight, you yeah. know, like what are the like subtle ways that your body is speaking to you to tell you, Hey, something's not right. We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I absolutely love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey. It is so delicious. But my favorite is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or when I get home from activities to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you, Allie? Well, if you know me, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything, but I also love the Beelixir Brain Fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without the jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness, which you can also find in our show notes. Now, back to the episode. I love everything you're saying and I can relate so much to it as well. And so that actually, I I have a question for you too about what is your relationship with your diet and with alcohol? Because you mentioned, right, when I drink too much, I have migraines. And actually for myself, I've noticed like those triggers, right, will come up. I have terrible anxiety that stems from all the stuff I went through in my childhood. But I also, I also, side tangent, don't like to 
hold on to that either. It's the story I keep telling mm-hmm. myself, right? Because yeah. I don't want to give my anxiety that power mm-hmm. either. But I know when I drink alcohol, which I do drink, and when I drink coffee, which I also do drink, if I do it too much, my anxiety gets worse and worse and worse. So I've learned ways to manage that in terms of my diet and the way I choose to eat. So I'm just curious if there's any sort of, what is your relationship with your diet and with alcohol? Um, Alcohol has been really challenging. I'm not, I've never been like an alcoholic, but it is something that like, when I go out, I feel an immense amount of pressure Mm. to have a drink in my hand. Yeah. Um, I recently, especially in June, I completely cut back on alcohol altogether and I felt really, really good. And my goal right now is to stop drinking altogether. Mm. Um, granted, you know, I know that I I do enjoy drinks, but I think mocktails are, can be just as good. So, um, yeah, I think over the last few months, speaking specifically to alcohol, it's been, a lot of a realization and my intuition telling me, stop drinking. You don't yeah. need to drink that. You don't need to drink anymore. It's not keeping your channel clear. Mm. Um, and so I just keep getting this like pull to stop drinking so I can be clear and I can be this like open channel for everything that I'm creating because I have so many goals. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I feel when I drink that it the channel gets blocked. Like I can Mm. feel it now. Um, so it's a work in progress for me. You know, I used alcohol and drugs as a way to numb myself when Mm -hmm. I was growing up, you know, I I went to EDC when I was 16 years old. There's photos of me with pigtails, tutus and like little tiny bras on. Um, so, you know, I definitely was not a, the star child. (laughs) Um, and really like that continued, throughout my 20s Mm. and so now it's like reevaluating my priorities and my priorities right now are to like be able to create and to be able to like bring art into this world and to help people and to serve people and I just see that that is an alcohol and drugs is not a way that is going to like support me in doing that you know yeah I like how you talk about I mean it makes sense because you also have this connection with your yoga practice but that the body is also so important in the, in sort of like the intuitive process. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something, you know, we've talked about on the show before, but even in our own journeys and even in, even in my health stuff, it's like, there's a connection, you know, between, um, obviously yes, our environment can set off our genes. Right. But like, you're not destined to have migraines just because it like runs in your family. And there's a reason you know, there's a reason we suffer with, with these sort of like ailments or chronic illness. I think it's also why it's so prevalent. Yes. Our diets and our environments are toxic in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, even in my own experience, like there was definitely emotional stuff and it didn't show up for me in the form of 50 pounds, but it showed up in the form for me of, of cancer at 29. Right. And I'm not saying that there's like there's no reason to blame ourselves for anything like that, but to recognize that like our bodies are incredibly intelligent. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we, if you're feeling a way where you're like, wow, I feel, I don't actually feel good from alcohol. So maybe I'm going to choose to consume less of it. Doing that as a service to yourself Mm -hmm. and, and in service to sort of everything else you're creating for your life and that it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing. And that's what we talk about too. It's like from a, health or wellness from a holistic perspective, like the body, the mind, the soul, 
they're all they're all working together. They're they're one, right? So when yeah. we when we serve one aspect of ourselves, it will only enhance the other aspects right. too. Yeah. And also if we say no to certain aspects of ourselves, that trickles into other areas yeah. as well. So yeah. it's yeah. Well, I think that's right. Like going back to the why I actually last year gave up alcohol for four months and it changed my whole relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. to the point where I do drink, but my why is so different, mm-hmm. right? Like I think going back to that, like, why are you doing anything? Like, cause I had, I was in situations where it is so uncomfortable to be in social situations and not hold, I, it was friend's birth. It was summer. I took four months off last summer. I can't believe it's been a year. But it was birthdays and 4th of July and barbecues. And I just was like, that intuitive hit was like, no, Mm -hmm. drinking is not serving you right now. It's making your anxiety worse. Like, why are you going to do this? But yeah, like going back to that why now when I drink, it's like, oh, because I want to, not just because it's there or because I feel social pressure. And even back to childhood stuff, it's like, why am I behaving this way? Is it because of fear of not having enough or being enough? Mm-hmm. Or is it because this is actually what I'm needing right now in this moment? So yeah, getting, I think giving up alcohol helped become clear a lot, even though for me, it was just a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But it is interesting. Cause I think right now with, you know, I feel like our age group and everything, this conversation about alcohol is becoming so much more prevalent because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are getting these hits yeah and it's really cool it's super empowering and so I think what it is now is like what is the social anxiety that is there and how can we as you know leaders as people that are pursuing this lifestyle Mm -hmm. hold space for those that maybe feel intimidated or um, aren't quite ready to make those changes, you know? Right. Yeah. So as, um, can we talk a little bit about your podcast as the host of the alchemized life? Um, what is your, like, what does that mean to you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So alchemy is the process of changing something for, for the definition for me is that it's changing something ordinary into the extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And so very similar to you, it's with courageous wellness. It's taking those moments in our lives that may have been ordinary, may have been normal. And like, how did we create magic mm-hmm. or how did we create magic out of the shit that we were, I can swear on this, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have an E. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do we create magic and take the shit from our childhoods, from our early years and like live an alchemized life? How can we, how can we take the cards that we've been dealt and do do with it what we please Mm. and so it's been the greatest gift of mine to have the podcast to be able to sit in conversation with ladies such as yourself men um everyone and it's been such a journey too of like being mentored by brilliant people and hearing stories of brilliant people and also experiencing my own ego come up too Mm -hmm. um you know as we were saying earlier with like the solo episodes and stuff I had tons of fear come up of like who would want to listen to this like what is it that I'm sharing I'm not an expert in x y and z although I will say that in some areas of life I do think that I have expert potential (laughs) um but a lot of fear came up yeah and so it's been really, really cool to watch my fears come up and then to choose a path that is more empowering rather yeah. than play into it. Yeah. What are, what are tips, right? Like you said, you have these tools that you use to that, that got you to this place, but 
when those thoughts come up, how do you work through them yeah. when the fear comes up? Yeah. When... So my spiritual tool- toolbox is what I like to call it. <laughs> um, so with fear, it's funny. I did a, I created a festival last year in San Diego called Funk Your Fears. And it was uh, a funk music and yoga and fear fear breaking festival and I did a um a like TEDx style talk in front of a hundred people like never had public spoke before Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm gonna do it (laughs) um but when fear comes up for you the first thing to look at is like because we go into fight or flight and our body starts like going on overdrive to protect us and that's just um you know a physiological response of our body thank you bodies for doing that um but first it's looking at like is this fear from my ego or is this fear like an actual fear like a rational fear Mm. that i have and i always give this um and not metaphor but this, this example is like is there a lion in the room with you no. Okay. So it's probably an ego-based fear. So I think first just like defining what your fear is and then like calling it what it is. Okay. So right now I'm really scared to launch this podcast on my own because what if it fails? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm scared if it fails, but why is it that I'm scared if it fails? Like what is the reason why I'm so scared? Oh, because I don't want people to look at me as a failure. I don't want to like create something that no one listens to. Oh, well, what does that really stem from? Oh, it's self-worth. Mm -hmm. okay where did that self-worth come from and it's digging and peeling back the layers of the onion and getting to the point where it's like okay so when I was this age this happened to me and I was you know humiliated by my teacher for giving the wrong answer at the front of the room in my classroom and everyone laughed at me and that's where a portion of my self-worth came from right is this true right now though no so then asking yourself, like, is this, is this true right now? Like, is, is this fear true? Like, is, am I going to be that little kid in front of the classroom again? No, probably not. And I think also going on a little bit of a tangent, but like, we are the center of our own universe. Yeah. So of course our fear is going to be monumental and massive yeah. compared to what someone else might think. Of course. Yeah. But honestly, even if you do fail, what if you're, you know, if someone judges you for a second, they're going to forget like 30 seconds later because they don't give a shit. They care about themselves and yeah. their own fears. Right. And so I think it's reminding yourself of that. And then also like from a very like practical stance, what are the ways that you can, you know, make sure that this fear doesn't come to fruition? Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to the podcast, okay, take the time to prep and like yeah. create the podcast. Like really, I took six months to do interviews, to learn about podcasting, to listen to podcasts and research and research and research. So when the podcast came out, I felt really confident. It yeah. wasn't like perfection, right. but it was, I felt confident that I knew what I was doing yeah. and that I like had taken the steps to really make sure that it was a success um, or, you know, as close to like what a success would be. Right. And so what are the steps that you can take prior to whatever it is that you're scared of that will minimize the chances of this fear coming to fruition. Mm. And then the last thing is, okay, well, if this happens, how, how can I fix it? Mm-hmm. Cause it's not going to be the end of the world, Mm-mm. but if this happens, how can I fix it? So I think going back and like synthesizing all of that one, define your fear. Is it ego based or is it like a rational yeah. fear Two, call it what it is, yeah. understand where it comes from. And through that awareness, sometimes that in itself will um, minimize the fear completely. Three, how can I prevent this from happening? Yeah. Four, if it does happen, what can I do to fix it? Yeah. It reminds me of something 
um, a girlfriend of ours taught me to do, and she learned it from an acting class she was in. But it's it's basically like you're saying, identifying the fear and then going, and then what, and then what, and then what, until you get to that root, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're right. saying. But what I found really powerful too is when you get to that root, like I was that kid in that class and I was humiliated. I've also found it really powerful to forgive that child. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's helped me so much. Even just that simple phrase of you were a child, you had that, you were just a child. Mm -hmm. You had no control. That teacher should have embraced you different. Like you were a child. That has been a really freeing part of going to the root is, is forgiving the inner child where all of our fears and bullshit come from. And I like what you talk about these steps. It, it's sort of a process to debunk beliefs we've created about ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Through these experiences. I recently listened to a podcast. It wouldn't be courageous wellness if I didn't reference my favorite podcast, which is The Doctor's Pharmacy by Dr. Mark Hyman. And he was talking about, there was sort of like similar things, but it was a story that was really powerful. It stuck with me. And I sort of like started to reflect on certain experiences of my own because of it. And he was saying like, he, um, his like stepdad was like a germaphobe when he was a kid. And his mom asked him to go like dump some old soup in the toilet and flush it down the toilet. But so he did that, but he wasn't like using the bathroom. And when he came out, his stepdad was like, did you wash your hands? And he was like, no, he was honest. He was just like, no. And his stepdad like lost his shit. Right. But he goes in that moment, I created the belief that if I told the truth, I would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. it's the simplest little so thing. Subtle. It's the so tiniest subtle. little story, which like we've all had a million of throughout our life and our childhood. But in that moment, that's like a way bigger belief set that can really affect the trajectory of how you live the rest of your life until you become aware of it and go through steps that you just sort of outline. Yeah. Because it's like the awareness then gives you the opportunity to make a different decision about it, mm-hmm. right? Not just act from a place of literally being programmed that way. Yeah. So it's really, I think it's really empowering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also good to have steps, like you said, because otherwise we just continue the same patterns. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about the pragmatic, like the forgiveness example Mm -hmm. is great. Amazing. But sometimes for someone at the beginning of their journey, they're like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. You know, like this took me like seven years, seven years of work to forgive my inner child. Yeah. And so I think if we can break it down in sequential steps where people are like, okay, like this is what I need to do in order to get it. It helps people. Like my whole goal is to bridge the gap for those that are at the beginning of their wellness journey and like really need the resources. And I mean, if someone told me about an inner child when I was 22 (laughs) years old, I'd be like, who are you? Like what asset are you on? And can I have some please? (laughs) Yeah. It sounds, you know, I think sometimes like we hope to have sort of more grounded conversations about it throughout both of, I guess, both of our mm-hmm. platforms. But it's, it can feel probably intimidating, this whole idea of like wellness and like this woo-woo wellness mm-hmm. world. And it's like the idea of like, do certain people have something that I don't, that I need in order to mm-hmm. do that? And it's like, no. But if it's not presented in an accessible way, it can be isolating. And the reality 100%. is everybody has the right Mm-hmm. Um, to do this kind of work for themselves and live the kind of life that they deserve. And not everybody has accessible resources. Yeah. So um, I love that you touch on this sometimes and like even through your own journey. Do you have suggestions? And even like the ones that you just outlined, anybody can do it. You don't need money. You don't need 
anything to like go through those. And that's why I love podcast platforms because they're accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone wants to dive into a wellness practice for themselves, but feels intimidated, especially like in the yoga world, you might be able to speak to this a little yeah. bit, wants to go to a class, but it's like, I've never taken yoga before. These people don't look like me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like all the fear that can come up. Um, how would you suggest also starting that? Yeah. I mean, my favorite, I don't even remember where I saw this. Maybe it was on an Instagram or Pinterest or something. Start where, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. Mm. And that has always stuck with me so much because you know what? The things that I'm sharing right now, you might be listening and being like, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. You might also be listening and be like, "Mm, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the beauty of wellness itself is that it's so Mm -hmm. bio-individual based off of our brains, based off of our bodies. You know, like you said, like, oh, they don't look like me. You know, that's a real thing that people struggle with. I'm not flexible enough. You know, I can't sit still for more than... 30 seconds, if that, um, all these stories that we've built up. And so I think ultimately it's trying the things that like spark some sort of interest, trying it out. And if it still like interests you, continue doing it. That like what I said at the beginning, you know, I do things that I love and that I'm super passionate about when I don't, and when I'm not passionate about it anymore, I don't do it anymore. And so I think having a loose grip on these practices and not like having an expectation and latching onto it that like this is going to mean that you are going to gain a million Instagram followers and have dewy glowy skin and um, have abs etc not like latching onto that expectation and instead just saying I'm going to continue following what feels good yeah I think that that's like the best piece of advice that I can give you know I can give cookie cutter answers like go watch a YouTube video on yoga for free and do it in your house that's accessible um, or you know journal and stuff but we've all already heard that right so ultimately it's like these are the all of these practices are so simple and I think often we want like that revolutionary answer that's going to change our lives I know that I struggle with that still Mm -hmm. um But it's just showing up and doing the work, you know, if you really want to change, if you really want to pursue a wellness journey, if you're in the midst of one and want to like make a, like a sharp right turn or something like that, you just got to do it. Start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. I love that. I love that. I'm going to repeat that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. And yeah, there's so much power in yourself, right? Like we all have this power in ourselves and that you know, even just sometimes repeating that to yourself, like I, I have the power inside. I have the power inside finding that mantra because yeah, there's no easy quick fix. And Mm -hmm. I think that can be a struggle as well. Yeah. And as we talk about, like even through our Buddhist practice, which you sort of tap on, tap into, and I want to ask you about, but is that we as human beings have, we believe we have infinite potential. It's just like, how do we bring that out Mm -hmm. in ourselves? And so what I love that you've talked about is like, you're obviously still struggling with certain things, but you have like really big ideas for this like whole alchemized life, what you can create out of, out of what the cards you've been dealt, the magic, and not just like how you can transform it to be like 
good or survive, but to thrive, Mm -hmm. right? And like really create something amazing from it. So what are some things that you're excited about in your own journey? And do you have any like dreams? You've come, you know, you've grown so much and you've you've created so much as far as your platforms go, but like, do you have any sort of dreams that you're sort of next aspiring to? Yes. I love being asked this on podcasts because I feel like whenever I speak it into like the podcasting world, it always comes true. It's, yeah. It's wild. It's really fun. So yes, I will absolutely take advantage okay. of you asking me this. <laughs> um, it's funny because I've always been kind of that. And I think that this goes back mm. to like my survival mode yeah. of what can I do today to mm-hmm. make an impact tomorrow? Yeah. And so I think as I've been maturing and growing up now, I'm looking at, well, what are the things that I'm doing today that are going to make a difference in my life three years from now or five years from now? Or like, what is this podcast? Like, it's not only just going to be a podcast for infinity, you know, yeah. like what is it that, how can I build this? Yeah. Um, and always continue to grow. And so one, I really want to explore television, Mm -hmm. um, whether that means creating and partnering with an online space like YouTube or Mm -hmm. um, Facebook Watch or any of those platforms to bring wellness to people in an accessible and fresh and fun way. Um, That's something that I'm recently starting to explore. As I mentioned, I'm going to start soon um, actually recording my Um, my podcast interviews and putting them on YouTube, which I'm really excited about. I recently, actually tomorrow, if you're free, you're welcome Mm -hmm. to come. Um, I recently started teaching at Bandier off of Melrose and um, it's my own concept, Tone to Transform. And so it's yoga inspired movement paired with meditation and breath work to really, again, come back to so many of us in LA are craving the physical. We want the nice booty. We want the nice core. But how can we reach that next spiritual high? Mm. And that's what I found through my meditation and breathwork practice. So it's combining yoga-inspired movement, cardio, plyometrics with more of the stillness of meditation and breathwork. Um, it's called Tone to Transform. I'm teaching that every Saturday and Thursday at Bandier. Um, so if anyone's listening and interested, just DM me and I'll get you a guest spot. Really excited about that, though, because I think creating my own concept is something that was a long time coming. I definitely fell out of love with my yoga practice for a while. And I think that if you're a yoga teacher, you can probably resonate with this is that you learn so much about the practice. You learn so much about the structure of it. I got to a point where I was predicting everything that was coming up Mm. and I wasn't able to be in my body anymore. I was so in my head. And so I um, had a little bit of a bring it on moment and explored all these different styles of um, movement and fitness and cultivated something that felt like my own. Mm. Um, So I'm really, really excited for that. Outside of that, um, I am exploring. I'm exploring potentially writing a book and bringing my um, journey into a actual physical form. Um, I think that, as we've discussed today, there's just so many ways in which my story has parallels with so many other people's stories, whether they went through the same exact thing as me or something similar, or at least have extracted some of the lessons that I've learned, um, for their own lives. And, um, I want to, I, I want that. I want to be able to share that with the world. And it comes back to like community and reminding people that we're not alone in this. Mm. So I think those are like the big things that are my three to five year goals yeah. that I'm really excited about bringing into the world. That's really exciting. And I love that you talk, talk about like talking it into existence. Cause I think sometimes, and this is something I've had to work on is that if you say it, like 
the superstition around it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, well, I don't want to jinx it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's no. just a story too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, if you actually say it, then there's like, your power. Act, yeah, and you're creating, you're creating the idea that could come from it, right? Like, un- until you create the idea and speak it out there, it just exists with inside you. 100%. You know, and it's like, that's sort of what the first step is being comfortable speaking it. Yeah. And I think also your hesitancy to speak it puts an energy out into the world yeah. that you don't think that you're worthy of receiving it. Exactly. So I, you know, I mentor women as well that are, um, new yoga teachers, healers, etc. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's so many times where they're like, I don't really like want to like fully like get excited for this yet. And I'm like, fuck no, get excited. <laughs> yeah. Get so excited because your excitement is just shifting that energy yeah. and putting you into alignment with that thing that you're attracting. And so I think that that's really important. Like if you want something, what it is like, if you, if you want something, think about what you would act, talk and think like when you have that, Yes. you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me thinking, okay, well, I want to, have a really popular fitness concept, I'm going to start talking and acting and thinking like it's already there. Or I want to bring the podcast into a video form and reach a bigger audience and partner with bigger brands. Okay. Well, if I was already doing that, how would I act? Right. Would I be scared of like not having enough money? Would I be scared of what people are going to think of me? No, No. probably not. So I think it's looking at like, how can we make ourselves an energetic match for the things that we want most? I I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. I journal that way. That's like journaling prompts. Do you know Danica Breisha? Mm -mm. Do she's, um, she's a coach as well. She's, she's amazing. She did the brunch series, which was like a national tour of positivity and light, but she was also on the podcast and she talks about that's like a daily practice for her Mm -hmm. is writing from that place of I'm already there. Mm -hmm. So it's like a future journal entry of like how it would feel, how it would smell the things you like down to the nitty gritty, because Mm -hmm. you have to, like you're saying, you have to be mentally there to attract it. it. Yeah, for sure. I think also it's like when you are doing that, notice where your resistance comes up and you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't believe this because those are your limiting beliefs. And so it makes it really easy, especially if you're you're at the beginning of your journey and you're like, I don't really know what my limiting beliefs are, um, to start doing that writing and And writing as if it'll come up because it'll be like, uh, like who are you to think you could have that? And that, or like, I could never make a million dollars. You know, your fears are going to start speaking up. And so then it really helps you to be aware of what they are. Right. And and practical push them down or transform them. I mean, honestly, don't push them them down, but like shoot them down. You know what I mean? Transform them really. Because obviously I don't mean that from a sense of like repress them because they're just going (laughs) to stay there. Like they're going to creep up even stronger if you just like keep pushing it away. Meet them with compassion and grace. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In a nice way. Be like, I don't have space for you anymore. Mm -hmm. Or like, I don't want you to be here with me anymore. And it's, I don't know. You just saying that, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go home now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go write it out. You know, it's yeah. inspiring. Or just yeah. say it out too, right? Yeah. If you're not a writer, like you're saying, like, or if you don't like writing, say it, and mm-hmm. you'll still feel like mm-hmm. you're saying those limits. Yeah, because then you have to hold yourself accountable when you speak it For out sure. loud. Well, too. especially if you're speaking it to other people too. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like you just did. I so know. It's so excited. You guys hold me accountable. <laughs> um, you know, we always ask our guests, especially right. Like you work with breath work, you do yoga, like your whole life is a lot of people's self care, right? Mm-hmm. So what does self care look like? How do you take care of yourself? Is it through those practices or is there anything additional? That's just, this is Ava time. Like this is my time. Yeah. I mean, 
it's very intuitive. So in the morning when I wake up and I spoke about this a little while ago on um, my Instagram, I used to have such a like tight grip on um, my morning routine and it had to be this comes first, then this, then this. And then I had an interview um, with this creative and videographer, Jordan Taylor Wright. And he basically said like, yes, morning routines are great, but like if you create a crutch with it, then you're not really freeing yourself in the way that you wish to be freed Mm. because you're still creating that Mm. grip of like, if I don't do it this way, then my whole day is ruined. Yeah. So that really resonated with me. And really what I do when I wake up in the morning is say, well, what do I need most right now? Mm. And I do that. And usually it's the same things. Usually it is sit up and meditate in bed for 10 minutes, then go make my coffee and drink water and take a shower, et cetera. Um, But sometimes it's, I'm going to sit on my phone for 30 minutes in the morning and that's okay. And I don't judge myself for it. I think at the beginning of anyone's wellness journey, like you kind of have to go through this period of like judging yourself a little bit until you get to the point where you're like, wait, that's kind of missing, missing Mm, the mark on why we're doing all of this stuff. Um, So I'm very like forgiving with myself. Mm. I think what you said earlier, just because I have a healthy meal doesn't mean that I'm healthy. Just because Mm. I have an unhealthy meal doesn't mean that I'm unhealthy. It's the same exact thing. Just because I don't meditate in the morning one morning doesn't mean that I've completely fallen off track with my entire self-care practice. So I think it's coming back to grace, like I feel like that's my word right now is like having grace with yourself to do the things that feel good for you in a way that's not addictive or like falling back into habitual patterns. You know, I'm not saying like, oh, if it feels good for you to drink, like continue drinking. But if you want to have a drink, like you were saying, that's okay. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that you've fallen off track. And so I think we just need to be kinder to ourselves um, and have grace with all of these practices because the moment that you start to judge yourself or have that crutch of if it doesn't all go to, as planned, mm. then, you know, it's it, it's not working anymore. The moment that you do that, you've missed the point. Mm, totally. Yeah. We even talk about that even with our, pra- like, our Buddhist practice where mm-hmm. we chant in the morning and in the evening. But it's like, there's no there's no guilt. Like, in our practice, there's no guilt. There's no blame. So it's like, if you miss it, that's not the end of the world. It's your practice. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is after a while, and I'm just speaking about my own, it's like, if I find that I'm not chanting as frequently as I usually do, I desire it because I can feel the difference in my day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, no, what sets me up for a great day? It's not that I'm going to, I'm not doomed to have a bad day if I don't, but what sets me up for a great day to be the kind of person I want to be in the world and show up in the world in the way that I want to is to do it. So therefore it becomes a priority, but you need to, like you said, you need to have those to know the difference, to know the difference and not just doing it out of obligation, doing it out of choice because of how serving it is, like how, how much it serves your day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always, as silly as it sounds, I always tell people like, once you start a meditation practice and you're like, oh yeah, I got this. I've been meditating every day for 30 days straight. Stop meditating for four days and see how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're going to really understand what, how beneficial your practice is. Exactly. That's yeah. Great advice. Um, so we always ask our guests as well throughout your process. Was there a book that was really influential to you or a book that you would recommend for people starting out to pick up? Yes. The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. I know that that's like so cookie cutter, but it just, it blew my mind and I love Gabby so much and I like aspire to be like her. Um, so I would say 100% that book. I listened to it on audio actually, and then bought the book afterwards because I was just 
she blew my mind. And I think that it's a great gateway book for anybody that's just beginning their practice because she's very, very relatable in yeah. it. And um, she comes from a similar background as me. She was in PR and mm-hmm. was a party girl and transformed her life. And so um, it was really powerful for me. Yeah. That's wonderful. And if anybody doesn't follow you or know where they can find you, can you let us know where the best places are on the internet? On the interwebs. Yes. yes. So my Instagram and my website is, well, Instagram is at Ava Johanna. Website is avajohanna.com. Johanna is J-O-H-A-N-N-A. Um, and then my podcast, The Alchemized Life is on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, are there any other ones? Spotify. And Spotify too. Yeah. Um, so that's where you can find me. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, ladies. You're amazing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica. And we're Courageous Wellness.